Hi guys, Joe from Rose Ed here. Just a quick note to say before today's podcast, you might be able to hear on my audio, there has been a slight technical issue, essentially. What happened is the software that we use to record the podcast failed. Basically, that's what happened. And it, for some reason, took the audio from my laptop's inbuilt microphone, which isn't very good, rather than from the studio microphone that I normally do the pod with. Uh, however, you can still hear it. It does sound a bit echoey and a bit like I'm quite far away, but we fixed it as much as we can and we think that you can still listen to it and hopefully you still will enjoy it. I just want to let you know that obviously it's only happened the once and it will not be happening again. Blooming technology, eh? Anyway, well, you can certainly look forward to a jam-packed show full of England over-excitement and Hannah being miserable and saying we're going to lose. Right. Right, anyway, let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to Rose Ed, the definitive soccer podcast. If you want to get in touch, it's at Rose Ed Pod on Instagram or Rose Ed Soccer on Twitter. Now, we've been waiting for 55 years, checking our phone over and over again, just waiting that one WhatsApp message from football saying it's coming home. And then on Wednesday night, we heard the ringtone. We didn't dare to dream, but there it was, a message from football. Hi, haven't seen you in a while, but I'm hoping to be home on Sunday. But hang on, there's just one problem. That charming Italian guy everyone's been talking about. Cool, suave, and at times mesmerizing. Sure, we're not as exciting, but I tell you what, we're dependable. So, who will football choose? We'll have to wait until Sunday night to find out. Will football be coming home or going to Rome? Hannah East. Good afternoon. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what that was like? You know, you're, when you're at primary school and a supply teacher comes in that hates a job and reads a book to you. <laughs> That's kind of... That's me, that was Hannah. You, you that into that. I'm sorry. I, I'm thought, thought, I thought everyone was going to be like. <laughs> but and Hannah then, just looked at me just like, shut up. It's been going on ages. And then we waited for the text. I'm like, what sort of podcast is this? Where is he going? No, no, no it's, really, it's really good. It's really good, Joe. Well done. I could have done it sexier. Well, let's so, not do it again. <laughs> who will football choose? Mm. Um, right, Hannah, how are you? I'm okay, thank you. I'm sat here with my England shirt on, just for the win. Um, very, very excited. What about yourselves? I'm I'm really excited, very anxious. Mike, how are you getting on? I'm confident, you know. Oh, come on. No, I am. I just, <laughs> I just feel like it's, it's something that's destined, like it's written. Do you know how many times... I woke up five times last night, all of them having like sweaty anxiety dreams. Really? I don't remember them clearly. They were all about the final. One was where there was a penalty shootout and the lights went out, so I couldn't see it. <sighs> there was another where we were 4-3 up and won the game, but then the referee said, oh, actually, I forgot there's another half an hour to play. <laughs> I was having like all these horrible, anxious dreams where like I was missing the game or couldn't see the game. I, saw, I sort of can't handle it. My palms are sweating now as I'm talking to you. Um, Hannah, do you feel as confident as Mike? Um, I don't, I'm not going to say, um, I, I think I'm riding the wave. I'm riding the wave of the fact that Euro 2020 
as as I think it's captured like the mood of the nation. And I know that sounds really like over dramatic, but like I've had four <laughs> pints and three Jaegers. Um, I haven't, I haven't, by the way. Um, but I think it's just because of like England, not just because of our success, but I think it's the fact this whole um, this whole mood has been lifted in in the country, and it's so exciting. Like I say, we are writing history right now, and it's something to look forward to. We've had such a rubbish eighteen months that this is the one thing to look forward to and this massive milestone of potential a bit more achievement is really exciting. Obviously, it's been 55 years. Everybody, well, certainly in the UK knows that right now. And it feels like things have fallen into England's lap a little bit. I think the moment I started to hope was when France got knocked out Mm -hmm. because I suddenly thought, oh, hang on. This suddenly, that suddenly is the one team I really desperately didn't want to play. Mike, you said you think it's fate. Why? I just feel like, touching on what Hannah said as well, with the, the mood in the country, you know, we've all been locked indoors for near enough two years. Um, and this, this, I mean, it's true. It just makes it sound so sad in your voice. <laughs> Mike's got quite a melancholy voice, naturally. So he, sounds, he's, he sounds quite sad. <laughs> it was it, it was sad, but like the, the point I'm trying to make is that it's it's lifted everyone's spirits. I mean, we've all got the Euro fever, um, and I feel like this this group of, of players are just like nice lads. I think yeah. it was a really really powerful moment actually at the beginning of the tournament before it started that Gareth Southgate came out and said. No, there's absolutely no doubt the players will be taking the knee. The players are all united, mm. um, you know, despite the noise, despite fans booing, some of the fans booing. Um, yeah. Everyone's united. Everyone's together. Um, and, you know, there's, I don't see that many egos, even though we've got like some of the top players in the world, you know, the likes of Harry Kane. Um, all right. There's not loads, but <laughs> we've got, we, we've got <laughs> Um, and I just feel like, you know, <laughs> Harry, <laughs> do you know what I mean though? Like you've, you've had like previous superstars, Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard in the same team. And it's just not quite worked. Whether it, whether that be down to, you know, club rivalries, you had like Rio Ferdinand, John Terry as a centre-back partnership, both at club level hated each other's guts. Um, so I feel like right now it's just all seamlessly coming together. Um, I know we're going to get on to Gareth Southgate and we have bashed him a little bit on this on this podcast, um, but he's done very well in managing the squad. Um, yeah, it just feels like it is like almost like home already in, in a way. Do you know what I mean? And Mike, you've got a dilemma, haven't you, about watching the match tomorrow night? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Joe, you know, you said you're having anxious dreams. Um, your your nightmares are actually yes. my reality uh, because my my uh, pub booking has been um, has been thrown into doubt after after a COVID scare. So I actually have no idea what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go and like knock on the door and just be like, please let me in. Have you been on the phone to pubs today? But where I'm going in Cornwall, there's about four pubs. The thing about Cornwall is, yeah, it's very beautiful. It's ever so hard to get a taxi or make any bookings of any sort. The last time I was down there, it was a Saturday night and I was trying to get to a job. And I called on a Saturday morning to try and book a taxi. And everybody I called was stunned to receive a phone call at their taxi company of someone asking for a taxi. So I found them on Google, right, all these different people. And they pick up the phone like, hello? <laughs> I was just like, oh, well, I'm looking for a cab. He's like, who? When? I was like, 
tonight he's like oh i don't work saturdays i'm afraid it's like well you're missing a trick there aren't you mate because what? it's saturday night and you're a cab driver i called one bloke i was like oh yeah can you pick us up at midnight you went oh no it's a bit late for me i'm afraid i wanted an early night so what are you talking about <laughs> your business? um but there you go sorry if you are cornish um and thanks for listening <laughs> so we we suggested to mike that he would travel to london um and watch the game with you joe because you've got a spare seat and then mike's saying obviously it's his girlfriend's birthday on monday and it's that mm. dilemma what's more important love or football that's the, yeah. that's the issue that mike you've, you're gonna have to deal with so mike you can either sit in this airbnb in cornwall and watch it with your girlfriend or you can come and get raucously drunk with me and the lads and throw uh, beer everywhere i mean yeah i mean i'll probably be single by the end of it but let's be honest it's probably worth it isn't it <laughs> so hannah let's 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 talk about the tournament in general i think it's been pretty amazing what are your memories going to be what's your standout memories of the tournament well, I don't want to bring a bit of negativity, but uh, Christian Eriksen's collapsing on the pitch for me. It just Keep gives me it that. Light. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, just it just no that that for me was like wow, that was pretty scary. That set. The, I'm not going to say that set the tone, but that scared me a little bit. Um, I think the Italians have been unstoppable. Uh, Cristina, Cristiano yeah. Ronaldo um, getting all his his records and stuff. He's. I'm just you know. Uh, sad that it didn't finish the way he probably wanted it to um and I think that one of the best points for me was uh, England beating Germany because I genuinely thought that mm. um Germany were going to beat us and that result for me was amazing and then to watch England when they beat Denmark the other night singing Sweet Caroline on the pitch was amazing it just it, I felt really emotional and I think that goes back to what we said earlier it's been a rubbish 18 months and this has just picked up the nation loved it Mike, what about you? What stands out to you? Um, so I'm going to go in- England focused because obviously that we're massive England fans. Um, mm. I think Gareth ignoring the noise surrounding some sort of players um, and ignoring us actually um, and playing the likes of Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice and persisting with Raheem Sterling. Um, I quite like Raheem yeah. Sterling's response to that to that interview after after his first goal. And uh, the reporter asked him, oh, um, do you think you've you've proven that, that you're worthy of a starting spot? And he's like, he repeated the question, like, have you literally just asked me that? Um, there was just this whole noise around it and, like, people just trying to butt in and, and you know, say, oh, well, Raheem Stone has been rubbish for Man City, but he's been probably the player of the tournament so far. So so that definitely, um, yeah, as Hannah said, being in Germany, that was, that was extra, extra special. Um, and again, as well, from a tactics point of view, everyone was like, oh, you've got to go attacking, don't match them up. And Gareth stuck to his guns, again, ignored us, uh, tactical experts, um, and, and, and got the job done. And and yeah, Denmark, I think, when we when we went a goal down, we could have lost our heads, but we didn't. Stayed mm-hmm. strong, stayed composed. We were clearly the better side on the day. And um, yeah, like siege mentality, basically, from, from England. To, I mean, to only concede one goal, across six games is something special, to be honest. Mike, I'm glad that you mentioned uh, the kind of the tactics and weathering the storm at the end of the Denmark game, because I've got a stat here from Opta. England recorded a sequence of 54 consecutive passes in extra time against Denmark, which is the most in one sequence of play by any team during the whole tournament. Now, Hannah, I never thought I'd see the day when an England team would be able to keep the ball away from an opponent so calmly to see out a game. Have we grown? I, I, I really believe that England, and it goes back to what Mike said earlier, we don't have massive egos in the team. So we have um, 
I think, up and coming potential stars and they are playing as a team and they appreciate the position that they're in. And I really believe that that is affecting and that is impacting on the performance. I feel that um, everybody is is kind of excited to play for England. It's not a given. And because we don't know from one match to the next exactly who is going to start, it's kind of that nobody's a, a safe bet every time. For me, I think Raheem Sterling has, has been the best player. Um, but yeah, what are you laughing at? Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> no, I was just going to say, um, well, because we've had a message in. And, um, All right, well, from... I'm just getting totally off on a tangent about England and the, <laughs> how, no. how united we are. Sorry. No, 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 I loved it. Yeah, no, Ken Ken from Didsbury. Oh, this is really know. funny, Joe. What does he, is he a security <laughs> guard at WH Smiths? I'm going to elaborate here. So I do live workouts um, on Instagram and Joe logged on this morning. I couldn't see that it was Joe Forrester TV on his Instagram. And he told me that Ken from Didsbury, um, a security guard at WH Smith, wants a <laughs> shout out. Now that's all I saw. And me being a nice person, I genuinely looked at that and thought that is so sweet. A security guard is, should, you know, should be maybe stopping shoplifting or fights going on but no he, he's messaged me and watched my workout it was joe it was joe <laughs> that is really funny yeah well done joe so what what's ken saying then Go it was on. unbelievable because hannah was in a workout she's like oh hi ken oh oh sorry ken from dinsbury's just put me off a little <laughs> so funny oh it could not possibly have gone better um no ken from dinsbury wants to know uh what player has surprised you the most well, I want to say um, I want to say Luke Shaw, and uh, I'm going to say Maguire, probably Kyle Walker as uh, mm. as my three that have, have surprised me in terms of the criticism like Luke Shaw has faced from. We've mentioned about Jose Mourinho slating him, and Jose Mourinho's got a pretty big voice at the moment. Um, he's doing a lot of punditry and stuff, and that's probably because the other section of his career has maybe not gone to plan a little bit bitter um but I sort of feel I feel a little bit like Luke Shaw gets a lot of stick and watching him perform throughout this tournament I think that's really really shut down a few people that are sitting at home thinking the Premier League managers pretty much like what we do um giving him (laughs) giving him lots of criticism so I I Luke Shaw I think Maguire's had a fantastic tournament Kyle Mm. Walker very understated I think um but yeah for me the um Raheem Sterling has been unbelievable and I think he doesn't get as much credit as he deserves Mike tactically there's two formations we've played so far this tournament 4-3-3 and 5-2-3 now there's some chat that maybe the five at the back tomorrow might be the way to go because kind of with perhaps Trippier on the right and uh, Shaw on the left, and then the pace of Walker at centre-back, that kind of limits Insignia and Chiesa a little bit. Would you like to see that, or would you like to see us be a little bit more proactive and go at them? No, I think we need to play to our strengths, um, which which is in, is in attack, especially when you look at their centre-backs, Bonucci and Chiellini, they're veterans, but you know they run at like half speed. So mm. I think you can definitely get at them and I think it's about getting the runners in behind. And to do that, I just think you need that extra um, number 10 in there or an attacking midfielder who you can connect the play. I feel like if you switch back to a five, you're going to struggle for that creativity in midfield in order to let get the ball through to them runners. So I feel like it would be a bit too negative to, to switch to a, to a back five against Italy. Um, and you're going to concede too much possession. And we know... With you know the passers in their team like Marco Verratti, Jorginho, who's been brilliant this 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 summer, mm. I think you're gonna you're gonna give them too much time on the ball and too much too much emphasis. Um, I just want to see us go there, 
and start on the front foot. Like get get a few goals and um and and just try and trying to get a few get a few goals. Yeah, get a few goals. Yeah, I, I I feel like we can really hurt them if we start on the front foot. But we need to like we need to press properly, press high. Um, because I'm not like overly worried about them like obliterating us on the on the counter attack. To be honest, I, but I think they they could have a few opportunities. But I feel like we need to start early, start quick, and not just like sit back. I, I feel like if we sit back, it's like you can see them defeat already. Hannah, are you finally ready to admit after Harry Kane's performance on Wednesday? <laughs> That watch that Harry Kane coming deep, getting on the ball and creating, as opposed to being in the box all the time, which has been your favourite topic for this whole tournament. Are you finally <laughs> ready to admit that Harry Kane coming deeper actually works? No, I'm not. <laughs> How, okay, okay. How tired did Harry Kane look against Denmark? Regardless, regardless of extra time. No, I, I don't. I disagree. Regardless of extra time, he looked tired. I'm worried because we don't have as much recovery time. Um, as Italy but I, I think it's it's paramount for him to rest up and recover I think he looked very tired and naturally every player uh, towards the end of a, a tournament is going to be tired but I really feel Harry Kane <laughs> needs to preserve his energy he doesn't need to be going so deep I honestly listen trust me I'm not a football manager but trust me <laughs> well, hang on you're <laughs> that's not <laughs> my, that's my opinion all right I still stand by what I said do you think there's going to be any home advantage, Hannah? Because obviously yeah, it's at Wembley. Yeah, I do think there's going to be um, home advantage with the fans. Of course, there is, and you know, there's there's not you know players still haven't seen their families and friends. They're all in a different bubble, which is why players can only see family still from two three meters apart. Um, but home advantage is always going to give us an element of being in the upper hand um, and see people can feel and sense how important this match is going to be tomorrow night. Now, I know it's not England aren't the hosts, but the semi-finals have been at Wembley and the finals at Wembley. Um, Mike, the last two times the hosts are in the final of the Euros, they lost. France in 2016 and Portugal in 2004. How does that make you feel? Don't do that, Joe, please. <laughs> I was confident. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? Do you want another stat, Mike? The, the only two teams in international football to have a longer wait... To play in a final, are Ethiopia and Israel. So we're in some good company. What um, what what finals are they in as well? I can't imagine it was the World Cup. Israel played in the final in 1963. I'm sorry, I don't know the tournament off the top of my head. That's that's not my area. Ethiopia, I also can't tell you. But all I know, I'm sure there's some. Our fans in Ethiopia go mental right now. <laughs> oh, right now they are shouting down yeah. their phones at us. Bloody hell, it's 70 years of hurt for us, lads. <laughs> Why are they with, from a Leeds, with a Leeds accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, they're all, they're all from Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> but Mike, what do you think of, like, of the home advantage? The, the roof has been coming off Wembley recently, and I think it must be pretty amazing to play there. Oh, yeah, it must be un unbelievable. Because like, it's just fans have just been... Like, I think this is the mo the, the biggest audience there's been since, the, since lockdown, I think. Yeah, it um, is, yeah. So it's just incredible to have that many fans there. Um, and yeah, I mean, m most of them are going to be Eng England fans, I guess. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure how the, how the split's going to work, but um, it's just such a huge thing because like when you have the, the fans fully behind you and so hyped to be there, like, because as, as we were saying, we, we are just genuinely so happy as, as England fans. It's been an incredible journey. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to say that it's just, you know, we're happy to be in the final. Of course, we, we want to win, but I feel like the, the elation tomorrow 
is just going to be unbelievable. Well, I was outside Ballam Tube Station on Wednesday night, not like flashing people or anything, just I was just there. I walked out to try and get a taxi and there was honestly like 2,000 people in the street. It was like gridlock and it was just, it is, it is so incredible. If we win tomorrow night, I mean, surely nobody's going to work on Monday because what's the point? Yeah. I mean, Hannah, will you? Um, well, I well, we run a, a bit of a business, and we've told everyone they can start at ten. But actually, interesting, my uh, four-year-old. <laughs> yeah, one hour. Yeah, yeah, we've got, we've got we've got stuff to do. But I went I went to pick my little boy up. It was his last <laughs> day at school on Thursday, right? And um, I, I, all the mums were like, "Oh my god, listen, you're going to be so emotional, and when it's the last day from reception, you're going to be crying your eyes out." And I was like, really? Oh, right, because I'm not really that emotional. No. Really? I can't wait. And <laughs> it's wonderful. Let's go home. So then I walked I walked up to the school and I saw the uh, the head teacher and he was like, cue music. And then it was like, it's coming home. It's coming. And then I felt really emotional because I was like, oh, my God, England might actually win on Sunday. Like, this could be a thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, listen to the music. And all the PE teachers are like, yeah, now the England top on. And then... I looked at the other mums and they were emotional, but they were actually emotional because their children were finishing school. <laughs> I was emotional because I thought England might win on Sunday. That's really I mean, did the headmaster see you and then cue the music? Well, I actually had my little boy on my, my uh, three-year-old, now three-year-old, on my shoulders and he had his England T-shirt on. So th- I think they'd obviously planned to do it, but it just really touched my heartstrings, like I say, not because my child had finished school, more because he's got eight weeks holiday and I've got to look after him for that duration, but also because, uh, you know, the, the, whole, uh, the whole school was so excited. Well, if you're a teacher, you would be excited to break up for eight weeks, wouldn't you, and get rid of the kids. But That's good though, isn't it? Because that's like you're living in your own musical. That must yeah. have been amazing. <laughs> I mean, it was. Cue music. Wait. Uh, back, to, back to kind of moments of the tournament, the standout moments of the tournament. For me, uh, I think um, watching France go out yeah. was pretty unbelievable because obviously they're the best team in it, obviously because it was an amazing game and because they're France. So it ticked every box, essentially. <laughs> um, I think that was maybe the, the game of the tournament, Mike, for me, that uh, France went behind, then obviously went 3-1 up. Paul Pogba scored what I think is the best goal of the tournament. Switzerland levelled, then beat them on penalties. But there's been there's been some unbelievable games in this tournament, Mike. Yeah, that was a great game, especially because you said, oh, yeah, France is going to sell through, and then it, it, it didn't quite happen. Uh, no, I'm surprised <laughs> we didn't get any historical context on, on France, just off the off the top of your head. I've, I've missed yeah, what do you want to know? I agree, Mike. Yeah. yeah, where is it? What do you want to know? I, I don't know, just some, just, just some French facts. Oh, well, I suppose it's the, the, oh, I don't know. Don't what put gonna, yourself what under pressure, Joe. It's okay. I'll put you on the well, spot no, Well, no, I was going to say the, the, the French Revolution in 1789 is probably the most seismic turning point in history and what sparked what we would call the beginning of the modern era. And then obviously you have the Jacobins and the Great Terror and it kind of leads to Napoleon and the Napoleonic Wars. But after that, Hannah, what you get is actually you get the rapid industrialization of the European states, which leads to colonialism, which obviously leads to the uh, wealth imbalance that we see today and obviously modern capitalism. But it's quite enough of that because what's the best goal been? (laughs) (laughs) That was brilliant. I feel like you absolutely comment your element of history. We need a history segment, mate. Let's like you're, yeah, we'll you're like you're like well clever and stuff, aren't you, Joe? Yeah. The implication is the, the football stuff's rubbish, but the history stuff's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just talk like Sean Dyche. I think that's all I'm here for. 
Don't, don't tell them. Don't let them behind the oh, curtain. It's not really joking. It's not really me. Oh, God. It's not these oh, kids. It's, that's, like, that's like finding out Santa Claus isn't real. There's kids just like, what? Yeah. The, tooth fairy. the tooth fairy doesn't fly into your room and give Which you're actually what? not allowed to say on, on radio, by the way. What? That that San, about Santa Claus's um, identity? Well, no, it's, it's no, it's not that his identity is that he's not real, isn't it? It's not his identity. It's not that he's pretending to be someone else. Well, yeah, I don't even, want, I don't not want a real person. But yeah. <laughs> no, me, me and Joe have gone. Oh, really? <laughs> Did you not know that, Joe? No, I didn't know. And kids, if you are listening, well, Mike, I think I think you know from having worked with me that my understanding of broadcasting law is shaky at best. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, but there's been some amazing goals in this tournament. Uh, David Marshall conceding that goal. <laughs> just moves all over the place, this, isn't it? Um, David Marshall conceding that goal to Patrick Schick from the halfway line. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Damsgaard's goal the other night, Hannah, that free kick. I thought it was pretty amazing. Should have been saved. We haven't, we haven't oh, mentioned no. Benzema's finish against Switzerland. I thought that would have been Oh, that, that's my favourite goal. That's a goal for me. That, that is the best goal. Is it not Paul Pogba's curler into the top corner? That was just so good. No, I it think was. It was, but Benzema's that that touch, Joe, like that's that's yeah. like Dennis Burkamp against. That was, that was some dirty, is, dirty skill. It was just unbelievable, and like if you even questioned that it, that it was luck, you just you should go home because it was just crazy you're going home you go sorry i thought that was fantastic i'm not i'm not a huge fan of karen benzema i must admit but i i personally like paul pogba's because i don't think it's anything more beautiful than just what when a ball seems to hang in the air for a little bit and just kind of ripples like round the side netting i thought i, I thought it was exceptionally beautiful as was quite a lot of the football he played this tournament now hannah mm-hmm. on that note segue alert again who's been the player of the tournament for you i know you talked about Raheem sterling i think I personally think Pogba has played the best football at the tournament. But then again, he gave the ball away for Switzerland's second goal and his team went out. So I can't, I can't really call it. Well, I'm going to stick with um, what I said earlier. I'm going to stick with Raheem Sterling um, for me, 100%. But I, I know we're talking about um, players that we like. I genuinely want to ask your opinion on um, Jack Grealish. What are your thoughts? Because there's been so much, um, so much written about him, about how he should start, how he should come on in the 60th minute off the bench. What are both of your thoughts? Because everyone I've spoken to has got a completely different opinion on whether he should start and the impact he makes on the game. I think so far he's been used perfectly. He's come off, come yeah. on in the 60, 65th minute, changed the game every single time. Yeah. And Denmark probably coped with him the best, but mm-hmm. he still draws people out of position because he doesn't really, he kind of floats everywhere around the 18-yard box. So they've kind of been used to picking up a particular tactical system for the previous 65 minutes. Then you've got someone who is kind of unmarkable because he just wanders about, really. And I think he stretched the game and changed the game every time. I think if you don't, if you play him at the start, I see why Southgate hasn't because we've been so defensively solid. We've only conceded one goal and that wasn't from open play. It was an amazing free kick, which I know Mike said should have been saved, but no. But I think the thing about Grealish is he's not going to do any defensive work. And having a system like that needs somebody, needs people who are all going to do their job. And I think bringing Grealish on, giving the opposition something else to think about later in the game, has worked, and that's what I would stick with. Um, Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's worked so far. Uh, I just do, however, think that in this game, it's it, it's going to be a lot tougher to break them down. Um, you know, you've got Jorginho in front of Chiellini and Bonucci. If we can't get in behind them and, yeah. and, and we need to sort of pick them off, I think Grealish is sort of 
better equipped to to do that to, to find a gap rather than um rather than Mason Mount personally. I just think you know you need you, you need dribblers. You need someone who's going to take the ball and run at them, create space for for other people <laughs> to come into. And um, I just think for this game, if you're looking at it, I, I think he'd be he'd be the better choice in that sort of advanced midfield position. Can I just say I wasn't laughing at my Aniston impression of someone dribbling? <laughs> I completely missed that. I looked up and she had her tongue hanging out. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think <laughs> Mike was making such a good, well argued, articulate point. As well. You just drool. Welcome to Rosette. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I think uh, one. One thing I do worry about is kind of against the Ukraine in particular, we got a lot of joy putting the ball into the box, aerial balls into the box. And I, I just don't think we're going to get any luck against Benucci and Chiellini like that. I think they'll probably win everything. Look, I think it's, look, Hannah, it's, it's, the, it's, it's a very even game, isn't it? But it's the toughest game that yeah, we've had so far. It is. I think um, my, my thoughts were... Um, when Italy played Spain, <laughs> when you dribble in again, when Italy played Spain, there wasn't really that much space um, in the, the middle of the park. I'd say it was kind of more box to box with high quality. So I think both both teams are rightfully in in the final, but I think um, Italy have kind of been a standout team from the start. So my I was kind of my concern maybe is Phillips and, and Rice. They got a bit overrun by Denmark, I think, in the first half. Um, so you know, like Mike had said, we just. Uh, and you'd said we need people playing their positions, playing their roles mm. effectively um, and not making any silly mistakes. And I, I thought uh, I was looking at Pickford whilst I think he's an amazing keeper. Sometimes I have the same concern about him. He comes too far out of the box and sometimes he just loses his head. Like if he's not like calm and composed, I, I genuinely think that if, he, if he's too emotional on the day, he's a mistake waiting to happen. Um and oh, again, God. that's that's sort of that was my take. I just felt the other night against Denmark, there was a few occasions, and, and Joe Hart used to be the same, where they sort of make silly mistakes and the emotion takes over. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but that's I, that's my opinion. I think Pickford can do that. I think he's had an amazing tournament. Mm-hmm. I think he's been absolutely fantastic. It's been a big factor, obviously, in us not conceding. I still keep thinking yeah. about that that Germany game where that save from Werner, I think, is absolutely amazing. Yeah. I think I think to be honest, I think it's a really fair final in the sense that the two best coach teams with the most coherent tactical plan have got to the final and you don't see that it's not normally like it's what I would consider to be the two best teams in the tournament so far yeah England haven't been fun to watch like Italy but the plan has been executed perfectly yeah yeah and I think that we're kind of reaping the rewards for that now to be honest I think it it sounds really it's cliche it's not really analysis but I think it's going to come down to whoever to individual performances I think because there's players on that pitch. If Kane takes the game by scruff of the neck, or Sterling, and plays like he can, like they can, yeah. they can win that game for us equally. If Chiesa or Insigne or Verratti do that, they can win the game for Italy. And I think it's going to come down to who can remain calm and do that. Um, but one man who always remains calm is the Burnley boss. And now it's time for Sean Dyche's poetry corner. Sean's busy at the moment in uh, Burnley, the Turf Moor, so he's uh, going to hand over to somebody else this evening to, uh, to do a poem for you. 
Oh, hello there, England fans. It's me, Jurgen Klopp. I'd just like to say big luck in the big game tomorrow, and I've got a poem for you. It's coming home after all these years. Is it coming home? Grab your beers. Is it coming home? The nation has awoken. Is it coming home? Do you play soccer or Foden? Is it coming home? If it does, give Gareth a knighthood. Is it coming home? If not, this tournament has still been right good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, Joe. Yes. Um, you can plot there with a poem. <laughs> so that's it. Hannah, you've never, because you obviously you work closely with Sean, you've never sat and watched the poem being delivered. How did it make you feel? Um, it was beautiful. Mm. Really good. I, I was concerned that I felt Jürgen was maybe thrusting on his chair a little bit excessively um, oh, whilst, well. whilst, doing, whilst doing the, reading the poem. But I mean, that was, it was beautiful. I'm sorry, I was at a rave last night in Berlin, so I just had to still feeling the music out, guys. You know what I'm talking about, the Jürgen like... Klopp. <laughs> Did you see the, the, the Jürgen Klopp doppelganger? Because I was convinced it was him for about five minutes. The doppelganger. Oh my God, yes, yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah, the doppelganger on that guy's shoulders. Yeah, it looks so much like him, but then I realised, oh, his legs are really short and Klopp's quite a big man, isn't he? So, Why do you know the length of the Liverpool manager's legs? No, because he, he's just he's a tall guy, isn't he? And this guy just looked tiny, but he, he's, he looks bang on like, like Klopp from the face. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, look, before we go, put you on the spot. Mike, what's the score going to be tomorrow? Oh, um... Oh, you put me on the spot. I'm going to go England 2-1. Hannah? I think it's going to be 2-2. We're going to go into extra time and then penalties. And then? And then more penalties. and more... No, I think um, I think England, I, I don't know. I don't want to say it. Go on. Go on. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Do it. <laughs> what do you think, Joe? I think it'll be one all at full time. England will win 2-1 in extra time. That's, no, I, I really feel. I really think it's going to extra time. I can't yeah. handle extra time. So every no, every match, every match we've had, I've called extra time at the start of the match, and it's happened. Oh, and I one. think so. Hopefully, I'll be completely wrong tomorrow. I mean, we'll all be a few drinks in, won't we? So it'll be fine. Who's winning um, on penalties, Anna? Come on, we need to know. I think Italy might win on penalties. Oh, oh God! Yeah, but I'm happy to be proven wrong. I'm happy to be proven wrong. Right, on that sombre note, uh, thank you very much. I'm really just lowered the tone now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cheers, Mike. Thank you very much. Thanks, Anna, for that. I'm very, my confidence levels have dropped massively now. Well, see, see you in London then, Mike. Sack your girlfriend <laughs> off and come to London. Whee! <laughs> thank you very much, Anna. Thank you, Joe, as always. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Right, if you want to get in touch and have your say, it's Rosehead Pod on Instagram and it's Rosehead Soccer on Twitter. We're going to be back over the summer and again for the new season. There'll be a brand new episode for you every single week. So we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.